Well, today, um, we are going to be doing, uh, you know, what you might call some uh, basic training type stuff, uh, dealing with some fundamentals. Uh, you know, it's uh, kind of the start of football season. Uh, teams are in their training camps, and uh, they're going over fundamentals. They're going over basic stuff. And, and so that's uh, kind of what we're doing here today. We're going to cover some uh, basic things, but some things that are very important. And so I hope that as we get into this, that you won't tune me out uh, because you feel like, oh, this is something I've heard uh, my entire life in churches. If you're part of this church, you say, oh, it's something Brian says all the time. Uh, don't tune me out on these things. You know, it, if you do that, it would be kind of like Brock Osweiler tuning out Hugh Jackson as he, he helps him with his throwing mechanics and his footwork, because even though it's basic stuff, uh, it's really important stuff. And it's stuff that I don't think too many of us have mastered. And so I think we need to talk about it uh, from time to time. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing here today. Uh, there are five indispensable things uh, for human physical health. Maybe there are some more, but, but, but these five definitely qualify as indispensable uh, for, for human physical health. They are oxygen, water, food, shelter, and sleep. Without any of those five things, your health is going to fail, and it's going to fail pretty fast. Uh, I'm told that a person can only go about three minutes without oxygen before pretty bad things start to happen, and it's not too much beyond that, uh, just a few more minutes beyond that, that life itself is put at risk. Uh, depending on a variety of factors, a person can maybe go about three days without water, but, but then they're going to start to have some real significant physical problems, and those problems can turn deadly very quickly. Uh, when it comes to food, people can go uh, a bit longer before they get in trouble. Not that many of us really know much about that or get into any danger area with that, uh, but in a matter of weeks, uh, health can be at risk, life can be at risk, uh, without taking in food. And, and depending on the weather conditions, shelter is extremely important. Now, there are parts of the world where you could probably live most of your life without shelter and be just fine. But if you're in the wrong part of the world, uh, shelter becomes very important. Uh, if uh, you're in Canada in the middle of a blizzard in January or February, I'm told you, you probably need to find shelter within about three hours uh, or it's very likely that you're going to be in really significant trouble. And when it comes to sleep, you know, sleep doesn't necessarily hold the same deadly potential in the short term, but it absolutely, if you don't get enough sleep, it, it leads to a whole host of issues that can negatively impact uh, physical health, result in uh, poor physical health. These five things are indispensable uh, to having good physical uh, health. If you go without any of these for even a, a short amount of time, uh, your health is going to be negatively affected. If you uh, go without them for too long, at least most of them, life itself uh, is at risk. Life itself is at risk of not being able to be uh, sustained. So to sustain life and maintain physical well-being, uh, a person has to have, they have to make sure they get Plenty of oxygen, plenty of water, plenty of food. Uh, they have to have shelter, at least in most locales. And to be healthy, they need sleep. Five indispensable things. 
There are also five indispensable things for having and maintaining spiritual health. Just like with physical health, if we don't have these five indispensable things for even a short amount of time, our spiritual health starts to fail. And if we go out without these things for too long, we begin to die spiritually. So if you're concerned with your physical health, you, you take steps to make sure you get those needed things. Likewise, if you are concerned about your spiritual health, and you should be, you need to make certain that you're regularly getting these five indispensable things. If you are spiritually unhealthy, it is almost certain that you have a deficit in your life of one of these five indispensable things that I want to talk about today. And so today I want to remind us of these basic things, these five indispensable things that help us grow spiritually, five things that help us maintain and improve our spiritual health and vitality. Here's the first one. Indispensable for spiritual health is reading God's word. Reading God's Word. For spiritual health, reading the Bible is as important as food and water are for physical health. Here's the truth, friends. You simply cannot be spiritually healthy with a Bible deficiency in your heart and mind. It's impossible. If you're deficient in the Bible in you, you're not going to be spiritually healthy. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Last week I shared with you that the objective of discipleship is increasing obedience to God. And the psalmist lets us know how important getting God's word in us is toward that objective of not sinning against God, uh, toward that objective of living in increasing obedience to God. And, and so if you are finding yourself living in consistent, ongoing disobedience to God, and that's going to take some honesty on your part, but deep down I think you know if, if that applies to you or not. If it does, it is very likely that you are living with a deficiency of exposure to the Word of God. And I don't mind being honest with you. I have seen this in my own life over and over. When I am consistently reading God's word, I do a lot better at obedience to God. When I am regularly exposing myself to God's word, I do a lot better in the not sinning department. And when I'm not reading God's word like I should, when I'm, when I'm not taking it in with the consistency that I ought to be, I've noticed that sinning gets a whole lot easier. You just cannot be spiritually healthy without the word of God in you. With physical health, here's something you cannot say. You can't say, well, I took a vitamin C pill yesterday, so I'm good for the rest of my life. You can't do that. You have to have the right amount of vitamin C every single day. If you can't get it through your diet, then you have to take a supplement. But you need the right amount every day. You can't just take vitamin C 
and be good forever. And yet this is what we sometimes try to do with God's word, but we can't do it. We, we can't say, well, I used to read the Bible a lot, so I'm good. We, we, we can't say, I read it a lot last week, so I don't need to read it anymore. No, you need the Bible in you every day, just like you need the right physical nutrients in you every day. Now, here's a question for you. Does anybody here know what our ongoing recommendation as a church, to those of you who are a part of our church, what's our recommendation regarding daily Bible reading? Does anybody know what it is? How much of it do we recommend you read daily, get in you daily? A chapter. Adele got it right. A chapter. A chapter a day. The the more spiritually uh, gifted among us say, well, that doesn't sound like very much. Here's a guarantee I have for you. And I think this would apply not only in this church, but just in the church universal. If every single one of us read one chapter a day every day, over the course of a year, there would be a whole lot more of the Bible being read than is currently true. I thought about doing an anonymous survey today, but I wasn't sure you'd be honest even on the anonymous survey, so, so, I, so I decided not to do it. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> a chapter a day. And, and here's how we recommend you do this. You approach the chapter with prayer. You come to the chapter and before you actually read it, you take time to stop and say, God, I am approaching your word now and I am asking you to illuminate what I am going to read to my understanding. Help me to understand. Help me to get out of this what you intend for me to receive. And then you read it. And then you slow down again. You meditate on it a little bit. You, you think through what you've read. You, you say, God, help me to take from this chapter what you, what you want me to see today. Perhaps you reread it. Perhaps you just skim it again. You, you allow the Holy Spirit to direct your attention to maybe two or three verses out of the chapter that you're going to kind of hone in on. And then maybe from those two or three verses, you say, God, uh, help me to pick the one verse here that you you want me to reflect on throughout the day. Maybe you want me to to try to memorize throughout the day. And then you end your reading with prayer that God would help you to apply what you have just read as you go through your day and as you move forward uh, in your life. What does that take? For for the average reader in, in the room, it might take 10 15 minutes, and, and, and that's probably like for everything I, I just said. Reading the, the chapter itself, a lot of them you can read in three, four, five minutes. So 10, 15 minutes maybe. It's simple. It's simple, but it can be life-changing. To be spiritually healthy, you have to get God's word in you. You have to read it daily. And so one of my appeals for all of us today is to stop making excuses and just start doing it. 
And here's one of the recommendations I have for you. So many of us, uh, my, you know, myself included, we, we have some kind of health-sustaining medication we have to, have to take. Often we'll have to take it in the mornings. And so we get up and, you know, we, we uh, wobble over to the medicine cabinet, get out our medicine, take it. Uh, if you're blessed not to need any uh, medications, maybe you take some kind of supplement, vitamin supplement, something like that. If you don't even need that, you're doing something in the morning to sustain physical health. You're drinking your water. You're having your indispensable cup of coffee. You are uh, having your eggs and toast or your oatmeal, whatever it is. And so in that moment, right then at the start of your day, when you are taking in life-sustaining nutrients for physical health, why don't you take 10 or 15 minutes to take in this life-sustaining resource for spiritual health. Do it right then. Start the day. So many times when I realize I have not done that, I also realize I've read like eight articles on my cell phone before I got out of the house in the morning. We absolutely can do this if we simply prioritize it. The second indispensable thing for spiritual health is communicating with God. Prayer. Scripture is full of encouragements toward prayer. We're told that the prayers of people committed to following Christ are powerful and effective. We're told that in the middle of difficulty, we ought to turn to God in prayer. We're given the example of Jesus who, even though he was himself God, and nevertheless modeled prayer, considered prayer to be of vital importance uh, during his 33 and a half years on earth. And not only did Jesus model prayer, give us an example of prayer, but he taught on prayer. And here's what he said about prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the most well-known thing he had to say about prayer. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, you know, obviously people have been talking about and expounding on the Lord's Prayer for, for uh, hundreds and thousands of years. But, but, but basically what I want to highlight here is that Jesus lets us know in this teaching that we're to communicate with God about every aspect of our lives. Look at what all you can find in that prayer. You find praise to God. You, you find uh, asking God to, to have his will be done on earth. You, you find uh, Jesus encouraging us toward asking God to meet our material needs. Uh, we're asking God for forgiveness of sins. We're asking God to help us avoid the traps that the enemy sets for us. And we're asking God for strength to treat others well. To be spiritually healthy, we've got to make communicating with God about every aspect of our lives a normal part of our everyday experience. Again, I, I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but, but answer within your own mind, how much time are you praying each day? How much time are you spending communicating with God? For probably far too many of us, the honest answer would be none. We're just not doing it. 
And so I want to ask you, can you carve out five minutes a day as a starting point for communication with God? Maybe 10? Can you do that? And I want to give a few suggestions on praying, some of which I need to take myself. Here's the first one. A good starting point if prayer is not much a part of your life. If you do not currently pray before meals, when you wake up in the morning, and when you go to sleep at night, start doing that immediately. For most of us, that'll be five times a day that we're praying. When we wake, when we go to bed, breakfast, lunch, dinner. If you throw in praying for snacks, you'll pray all day long. (laughs) So that's a good tidbit there. You say, Brian, but those are just, you know, those are just like mindless prayers, just repetitive prayers. That's not really, really praying. Well, it is if you don't make them mindless prayers. It is if you make them real. And really, even repetitive prayers are not in and of themselves a problem. The problem is when the repetition becomes detached from our heart. And so it's just rote. Praying for the same things over and over again because you actually care about those things, there's nothing wrong with that. And so if you don't have much going on in your prayer life right now, start there. You will have gone to five times a day of praying And as long as what's coming from you is sincere and not just ritualistic, like your prayer life just took a big step of improvement. You have really done something if you just start doing that. And then in addition to that, what I would encourage you to do is commit at least five minutes a day to focused communication with God. Ten minutes. Build on that. Go to 15 Here's something you can do. If prayer is a struggle for you that you've probably never heard recommended here, uh, probably not heard very often in churches like ours, but you could purchase a prayer book, something like the Book of Common Prayer. And, uh, and you can be uh, guided and influenced toward, toward prayers of faithful people throughout the history uh, of the church. And then do this. Make a habit of communicating with God Throughout your entire day, he is your friend who is always with you. So talk to him. You you know, we we have such good communication now. We can talk to anybody we want to almost any time because we carry these phones around. But you don't even need your phone. He's just there. He's always with you so you can talk to him. You're going into work. God, I thank you for this job. God, I might want a better one soon. Hint, hint. (laughs) But I am thankful for this one. Help me to do a good job today and represent you well. God, my boss just blamed me for something that isn't my fault. I want to punch him in the face. Help me not to do that, God. (laughs) God, my lunch server is such a nice lady. She always does such a good job. She's always so pleasant. But God, she doesn't know you. Give me an opening to talk to her about you. 
God, you know, I've had a nagging pain in my side for the last two weeks. God, I'm really starting to worry about it and be fearful of what might be causing it. God, please heal whatever's causing that pain. And God, please, please help me not to fear. God, I'm just a few minutes from getting home for the evening. Help me to walk in the door tonight and help all of my interactions with my kids and my spouse to be loving. Help me, God, in all of my actions tonight to show my family how much I love them and I care for them. I think God really does want us to have that dedicated time with him, 5, 10, 15 minutes and, and if you're way above that or you get to the place where you're above that, that's great. But what I believe that God really wants from us is the kind of relationship where we're in continual communication with him. Amen. It, it is this continual communication that I think is both a sign of and a cause of spiritual health. And so even more so than the 5 or 10 or 15 minutes, I think the, the, the gold standard for prayer, for communication with God, the thing we really should be shooting for is not how much time are we, you know, on our knees with our hands folded in front of our chair, but am I continually interacting with God? Am I continually communicating with God as I go through my life? The third indispensable thing for spiritual health is belonging to a local group of believers. And let me define what I mean by belong. I don't mean that your name is on a membership roll somewhere, though that's a good thing. By belonging, I mean actively engaged in the life of the local body of believers. Galatians 6.2 Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The, the setting of that verse, the context of that verse, is that a brother or sister has fallen. They, they've come up short of the mark. They, they've done something that, you know, is disappointing and it's displeasing to God. And, and others within the local body of believers come alongside them, help to pick them up, and get them back on the right track. And, and this is one of the, the, the many valuable uh, benefits and reasons uh, for the local church. To be people committed to Christ and to each other. Committed to helping each other remain committed to Christ. Encouraging each other. Helping to steer each other in the right direction. And get back on the right path when we've wandered off the path. Me and Jesus' faith does not work well because left to ourselves, we have a tendency to wander off the path. We need other people who love Jesus and love us who help keep us on the path, nudging us in the right direction. And then one of the favorite Bible verses of pastors the world over, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 say this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
Now, two things that I want you to notice about these verses. There's a lot more that could be said, but I want to point out two things. Verse 24 tells us a lot about why we need each other. Why involvement in the local church is so important. It's because we are to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's what we do for each other. We have a role to play in helping each other be who God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do. And then notice, after we're told of our key roles in each other's lives, we're told not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. One of the roles of the church in the lives of individual Christians is to provide regular meetings where believers gather for the purpose of spurring one another on toward love and good works. That's what Sunday worship is about. I mean, there are a lot of things that go on, but at a very fundamental level, that's what it's about. That's what connect groups and classes are about. It's what ministry teams are about. That's what coffee with your friend who also loves Jesus is about. Again, a lot of different things happen in each of those settings, but at a very foundational level, it is about coming together to spur one another on toward love and good works. Sunday worship and small groups are regular meetings of the church that are intended to be prioritized by Christians because... They recognize the positive impact meeting together with each other, uh, with, with other Christians has on their journey toward becoming loving people who do good things in the name of Jesus. Christians are to be people who recognize the indispensable benefit that meeting with other Christians is to spiritual growth. And here is an absolutely amazing thing. It is beneficial even when you're meeting with people that sometimes drive you crazy. Still beneficial. Still beneficial. Some of the people over my history of walking with the Lord that were the most challenging to me, annoyed me the most or some of the people who actually had some of the most spiritually beneficial impact on my life. It's just true. It, it happens that way. Sunday services and small groups should be seen, and I think this should be all churches, but I'm talking to, to our church, should be seen as the basic level, and let me define that, understand that to mean minimum level, of meetings that everyone should be committed to. Why? Because I like preaching to more people instead of fewer people. Well, there is that. <laughs> but the real reason is because involvement with other believers in the local church in regular meetings together is a Bible-endorsed, indispensable thing for spiritual growth and health. Amen. So let me kindly say, if you are not out of town or working 
or physically incapable of being here due to illness or some other health problem, you should be in church. You should be in church. You say, well, I am here. Well, that's the problem with talking about this. I'm always talking to people who are here. (laughs) But maybe you weren't here for the last month. So this could still apply. Just because you're here today doesn't get you off the hook if you missed the last six weeks. If you're not out of town working or physically unable to be here, you should be in church. And I'm also going to say this unapologetically. If you're intentionally out of town every weekend, (laughs) that is not a good thing. The Bible does not say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, except during the summer when you have better things to do. It doesn't say that. So unless you have a compelling reason why it's impossible, you should be in church on Sundays, and you should be part of a small group. Friends, most of them meet a grand total of 18 times a year. Now... (laughs) In my church tradition that I grew up in, and that Michelle and I were still part of when we were a young married couple, we were involved in the life of the church in regular meetings upwards of five to six times a week. So don't cry to me (laughs) about Sunday service and 18 small group meetings a year because I don't feel bad for you. I am not worried that that is too heavy a load for you. What if you can't make all 18 of them? Okay, life's busy. What if you make nine of them? Better than none. Make 12, better than none. And if you try real hard, I am confident that in the course of a whole year, you can make it to somewhere between nine and 18 small group meetings. Now, I'm not going to say much more about this, but I do want you to hear this next thing. When you decide against prioritizing Sunday worship attendance and small group involvement, involvement in the life of the church, you are making a decision that is counterproductive to spiritual growth and health. And it gets even worse than that, because when you make that decision, you're not just hurting your own spiritual growth and health, but that of everyone in your household. You just are. It is not good for children to grow up with the impression that in June, July, and August, we do not need the Christian community. It's not good. I love you. That's why I'm talking about this. The fourth indispensable thing for spiritual growth is serving others in the name of Christ. Now, I admit to you, I've bitten off a little bit more than I have time for with today's message. So on these next two points on your outline, I'm going to let the scriptures largely speak for themselves. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. When we fail to serve others, we are missing the heart of Christianity. We're missing the heart of Christ who came not to be served, but to serve And when all we do is receive and we never give out to others, we become stagnant like a body of water that has no flow. 
It's just stagnant. You ever seen the body of water that's stagnant? It is disgusting. It is gross. And we become like that if all we do is receive and we never give out. Mark 10, 42 through 45 says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you want to be great, if you want to be first, and here's the way I would interpret those phrases. It would be something like, if you want to be approved by God, if you want to have God's approval, be a servant. And if Jesus is saying here that serving is a path to the approval of God, then it has to be an important means of spiritual growth and health. And the fifth indispensable thing for spiritual growth is totally surrendering every area of your life to God, not leaving anything outside of his authority. Your time, your talent, and your money. 1 Corinthians 4.2. Now it is required. What? Required? We don't like that word. Required. Almost any time we've tried to use that word within the context of the church, we've gotten some kind of response like, excuse me? (laughs) Required? But thankfully, Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians, isn't quite as easily dissuaded as 21st century pastors are. So, So Paul says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Everything we have in life, our time, our abilities, our money, these things are given to us by God. They are actually his things that he's entrusted to us to use according to his will. They are his. They're not actually ours. They're his. And he gives them to us to manage according to his wishes. And because of that, we must prove faithful. We have a fiduciary responsibility. It's like you working for your company and they entrust you with a certain amount of the company's resources to use consistent with the company's wishes. And if you go out and you use those resources in some way that is not approved by the company, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. That wasn't yours to use however you wanted. The Christian understanding is that everything we have is God's. And so we're not free to use our time, our talent, our money any old way we see fit. We have to, we must prove faithful with the trust. And so we have to use our resources like they're not really ours but his because that's exactly the case. 
Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My life isn't my own, it belongs to him. My time isn't my own, it belongs to him. My talents aren't my own, they belong to him. My money is not my own, it belongs to him. If you are not growing spiritually, if you're feeling weak spiritually, it is possible that one of the problems you have is that you have failed to place your entire life before the Lord and say, God, it's all yours. I surrender it all to you. Spiritual health is always going to be compromised if you do not totally surrender every aspect of your life to God and place it under his control. I know you're here today, but some of you in this room are very likely not surrendering your time to God. You come to church once every few weeks. You never go to home group. You're spending no time in prayer and service and studying the Bible. You are not going to be spiritually healthy if you don't surrender some of your time to God. Some of you here today have been given incredible talents and gifts and abilities by God, but you're only using them for yourself. You're not using them for purposes that transcend your own self-interest. Not going to be spiritually healthy that way. And the Bible's view, and if this makes you uncomfortable that I'm touching on money today, uh, I really haven't talked about this for about two and a half years. And just so you know, a lot of our leaders encourage me to talk about it more. So you're welcome that I don't. <laughs> but, but the Bible's view is that every dollar we have belongs to the Lord. It came from God to us. And again, that we have a fiduciary responsibility to use it consistent with his will and purposes. And yet too many of us cling to our money like it's actually ours. And that if we let go of any of it for God's purposes, we won't have enough. Now, thankfully, part of God's purpose in giving us some of his material resources to use is to provide for our own family. So you never have to feel bad about attending to the needs of your own family. But God does expect some of what he entrusts to us to go outside of ourselves, to go toward his purposes in the world that transcend me and mine. It is hard to be spiritually healthy when you haven't surrendered your money to God. You see, Jesus called money a rival God that people will actually serve instead of him. And so surrendering our money to God becomes a very big deal. It is a big deal. Brian, this just sounds like a lot of rules. This just sounds like a lot of stuff pastors always want their members to do because they want more people at church, want more people serving, more money to do stuff with. I am not opposed to any of those outcomes. That was a good opportunity to laugh. <laughs> but that is not what this is about. It's not. These five things are indispensable to spiritual growth and health. And I want you to be spiritually growing. I want you to be spiritually 
healthy. And if you want to call these things rules, you're really, you're really misunderstanding what we're talking about here. They are not rules, but they are disciplines. Disciplines that lead to good spiritual health. Just like you have to be disciplined about your physical health, you have to make sure you get enough water. And for those of us who really don't care for the taste of water very much, sorry, God, I'm just not that crazy about it. It takes a little discipline to, to get enough water for your body. It takes a little discipline to eat right. It takes a little bit of discipline to get enough sleep. To get the exercise that leads to physical health. These disciplines that I've shared today lead to spiritual health. They're not rules. They're disciplines. I want you to be spiritually healthy for the difference it'll make in your life. The difference it'll make in the life of your family. The lives of those around you. And for the cause of Christ. And so I have three important questions I want to ask you to consider today, and then we'll wrap up. How would your life be different if you were more spiritually healthy than you are today? I want to answer that question for you, at least provide a few answers. If you were more spiritually healthy than you are today, and you know, none of us arrive, so however spiritually healthy we are, we can always be more spiritually healthy than, than what we currently are. So if you were more spiritually healthy than you are today, what would be different in your life? What would be better? What would be different? Here are some things. You would be a better spouse. You would. The more spiritually healthy you become, the better spouse you're going to be. You would be a better parent. You'd have more peace. You'd have more joy. You'd be a better employee. You'd be more faithful to God, which would improve your witness to the world. There are only good outcomes that result from being more spiritually healthy than you are today. And these outcomes are so good that we ought to be willing to engage in a few disciplines that help us to realize these outcomes for ourselves and for our families. I want that for you. I want your home life to be better. I want your parenting to be better. I want you to have more peace. And the Bible affirms for us that these kind of disciplines that put us in a receptive posture to receive what we need from God, they, they help us toward these, toward these ends. How would our church be different if more of us were spiritually healthy than we are today? Thankfully, this first example I'm going to use, I, I know of no problems right now, so maybe this is a sign that we're getting more spiritually healthy. But here's one. Conflicts between church members would end in reconciliation instead of decisions to go to different services or stop participating in church altogether or go to a different church because, quote, I cannot worship with that person anymore. How awful is that? How awful is that? If we were more spiritually healthy, our conflicts would not end like that. They would end by working it out, apologizing when necessary, reconciling with one another, 
helping each other. It's getting back on the track and moving forward. There wouldn't be a constant shortage of kids ministry workers. Amen. <laughs> because everyone would be committed to using their gifts within the church. There are only good outcomes for the church as we get more spiritually healthy. Would we make a bigger difference in the world if we were more spiritually healthy? Of course we would. Now here's some good news. God only has broken people to work with. He only has fallen people to work with. And so God takes us, as feeble as we often are, as spiritually depleted as we often are, as running on empty as we often are, and he still does his thing. And he, he still works good in people's lives. He still leads uh, new people to him. He still encourages and uplifts other people. He, he takes our, 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 you know, weakness and he's strong in the midst of it. But of course we would be more effective if we were more spiritually healthy. It, it's just obvious that people that are spiritually empty, depleted, people who are on spiritual life support are not as effective for the cause of Christ as those who are growing and healthy spiritually. And so it benefits you and your family. It benefits the church. It benefits the cause of Christ and the earth. And so here's what we need to take from all that. Spiritual health is worth the time and the effort that it takes. Amen. It's worth it for you. Amen. It's worth it for your family. It's worth it for the church. And it's worth it for the cause of Christ. So my appeal to us today is to engage with these disciplines that lead to spiritual health. These five things aren't, aren't all of them, but these are five indispensable disciplines that help lead to spiritual health. Read God's word every day. Pray every day. Have constant communication going with God. Continual communication. Belong to a local, local group of believers. Prioritize meetings that bring us together to spur one another on toward love and good work. Serve others in the name of Jesus and totally surrender every area, every aspect of your life to God. I am convinced that if you will do these five indispensable things, you absolutely will grow spiritually. Nothing will stop you from growing spiritually. It still might be slow. You still might take some steps back every once in a while, but you are going to grow spiritually if you practice these five disciplines. Nothing will be able to stop your growth. Nothing. Somebody being mean to you in the hallway or inattentive to you in the hallway won't stop your growth if you're doing these five things. Brian preaching a subpar sermon on Sunday won't stunt your growth if you're doing these five things. You will grow. The enemy himself will not be able to stop you from growing if you will engage these disciplines. And so I challenge you to put this to the test. Commit today, I'm not going to make any more excuses for myself, for my family, for the church, for the cause of Jesus. I am going to practice these disciplines that lead to spiritual health. And everybody said, Amen. no, 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 no. Everybody said, I will. I will. 
Say it again. I will. Do you mean it? I do. Okay, let's stand.